Hello and welcome to The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through The Genius Podcast, which you're listening to, the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our online courses and our live virtual Catholic women's events, as well as our latest edition, which is our Catholic coaching program for women. This week, ladies, we are kicking off our podcast Lenten series. Over the next six weeks, as we journey through Lent, we will be interviewing a number of people who will help explore these themes of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and how these pillars can draw us into a deeper relationship with the Lord. So to kick us off, our guest today is Simone Rizkala. Now she is the Director of Program Growth at Endow, which is an organization committed to the value and the dignity of women and providing formation for women in what it means to be a Catholic woman in the world today. Something that I am very passionate about. She truly is a kindred spirit. Before moving to California, Simone taught at a Catholic school in Phoenix, Arizona. She now lives in California, where she is the Director of Program Growth at Endow. Simone's background is in theological studies, and she has so much to offer women in this area of formation, something that I'm very passionate about and that we really connected with together over a couple of years ago. In this episode, Simone and I touch on International Women's Day and how we can use this secular celebration day to really advance the true value and dignity of women. We also unpack this pillar of prayer and Simone sheds light using the example of some of the doctors of the church and the wisdom that they have for us around this pillar of prayer. So ladies, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode with Simone and I. Well, Simone, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's so fantastic to have you with us. You're all the way from California in the USA. Yes. Thank you, Karen. So Uh, happy Oh, it's such, I'm so glad you and I connected. Um, I think it was September, October of 2019. We were traveling. Jonathan was doing a speaking tour in the United States and you and I had an extended phone conversation. And so I think from that point, I knew we were kind of kindred spirits. We share a lot of the similar passions for formation of women and just work and promoting, I guess, the work of John Paul II, particularly in this area of Catholic womanhood. So I'm wondering if you'd share a little bit about yourself and your background with the, the listeners here. Oh, sure. Well, I currently am the director of program growth for an organization called Endow Groups. And yes, Karen, we were supposed to meet in person, but then COVID kind of ruined our, our, our plans. So I was really looking forward to that and, and look forward to it at some point in the future. Um, but so happy to have, to have you know, met another kindred spirit in the kingdom of God a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, so I work with Endow. Endow is an apostolate for women and we call women together to study important documents of the Catholic church. So that is what what I'm currently up to these days, but I've been a high school theology teacher and theology department chair, which I very much love that work. Um, It's right, it's the greatest, teaching is the greatest profession in the world because it's Mm -hmm. right in the middle of humanity, which I definitely felt the humanity of these high school students. I love that. I've worked at at parishes um, as doing parish work 
Um, and I'm also a daughter of Armenian Egyptian immigrants to the United States. So in a nutshell, that's a little bit about who I am. Yeah, fantastic. So have you always been based in California? Well, I lived in Washington, D.C. in Virginia for a number of years when I was studying theology and, and working in, in a parish. And then I went to Arizona and worked at the high school there. And now I'm back to my roots, back to my Californian roots. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and are things opening up over there? Post they are. They are. They, they are opening up. Thank God. Los Angeles County is a little, you know, very bit strict so I'm, I'm happy to say that things seem to be looking up here which is Fantastic. good for everyone's mental health it, absolutely 100 we're a bit the same here except now we've been smashed by floods <laughs> so we, we seem to go from bushfires to COVID to floods it's crazy yeah, exactly. but uh, have mercy lord <laughs> well Simone, I'd love to um, have a chat today. We're in obviously the first week of Lent at the moment. And for you, International Women's Day is today because it was our International Women's Day yesterday. And I think I'll be honest and say I'm a little divided on my thoughts on International Women's Day. <laughs> and I, I don't know how you feel about it. but Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think a few years ago I was definitely on the... Um, this is stupid. I hate this day. This is so dumb. Why do women need a day? Uh, this is patronizing. And I don't even know what this means. And I had an Italian friend of mine who's a very devout, holy Christian man who said, you know, we were at dinner and he just picked up his glass of wine and said, I'd like to honor you as a woman in the church. And I thought, okay, well, that's nice. I could, I could, I'll take that. But I think now I've become kind of less, less reactively dramatic against it and more um, kind of using a secular holiday as a tool for evangelization. So I, I, I'm still I kind of, I think, I kind of, I think we have some, you know, kind of have conflicting feelings about it. But if the whole world is going to have an International Women's Day, I'm going to get in on that and direct people to the place of true women's liberation, which is the Catholic amen. Church. <laughs> amen. 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 And I love that approach. So similar to you, my um, I guess my experience was that there was a real lack of formation for women on what it means to be a Catholic woman. And, and that led to us starting the Sisterhood Catholic Women's Movement here in Australia and also the Genius Project, because that's really a core passion of mine is that women would receive formation. And I guess what you're saying is let's use this opportunity to direct women to the place yeah. of true formation. Yeah, I think I, I, I posted something this morning on my Instagram about um, this, the four female doctors of the church. And I had a male friend of mine message me and go, the church is doing a pretty bad job of oppressing and hating women because I hear more, <laughs> I hear more about the female doctors of the church than I do uh, the other doctors of the church. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. There you go. But the message is this, the, the still a very strong message that the Catholic church is oppressive and against women and nothing could be further from the truth. So I'm so grateful to you. Uh, for wanting to form women and to really tell them the truth about who they are as women, who they are as women in the church and in the world, and that the church is really the not just the the safest place, but the I mean the protective place of women's dignity. Absolutely, hundred percent. And you know, John Paul II wrote those two beautiful documents, Mulieris Dignitatum, and his letter to women. And it's interesting, I didn't actually come across them until I was 28 years of age, but I was 13 when they were written for the first time. And I thought how interesting that I grew up in a Catholic family, went to Catholic youth group, went to a Catholic all-girls high school and young adults ministry. And in all of that, 
journey, I never once heard anything about what the church teaches on Catholic femininity and Catholic womanhood. And I remember reading those documents from the first time. It was truly profound. Like all these years later, I can tell you where I was standing and what I was wearing. Wow. <laughs> One of the, um, we worked in a Marist um, boarding school at the time and I went to go for a run and one of the brothers was throwing out a whole lot of books they were cleaning out things it was this little old document and I was like oh what's that and I took it upstairs and I devoured it How beautiful! <laughs> yeah it was beautiful but so life-changing and I think I connected with it because I was we went through a season of six years of infertility early in our marriage and what it did for me at that moment was to, I guess, enlighten, elevate my eyes to realize that there was more to my womanhood than just having a baby, that it wasn't defined to that, that there was this whole beautiful vocation of womanhood. And that led us to studying at the John Paul II Institute and the rest is history, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, so it's that really connected with me, those two documents. And I think my passion then was to communicate that to women. But now I have a 14 going on 15-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. And, some, you know, they're in Catholic education and I see this repeating itself. In fact, not only repeating the lack of formation, but sometimes completely the opposite, working against the church and presenting a message which is totally in opposition to what the church actually teaches on Catholic womanhood femininity. So... Today, I would love to dive into this topic, given yeah. that we've got this, this holiday or this celebration of International Women's Day, but also Lent. And this season of Lent is very much about reconnecting with um, ourselves and the Lord within us. And so there's an invitation for women to do that in a special way. So I know that Endow has played a really special role in terms of providing, I guess, studies and books and programs for people around this area of solid formation. Can you share a little bit about your top two favorite programs that have come out of Endow? I would love, I would absolutely love to. Can you narrow it down? Can Can I comment on what you said about being just a mom? Because I think, or, or just, you know, more being a woman is more than just having a child. I think that, let me say this well, because I don't want to be misunderstood. There's, um, I don't like the language of just a mom, but what, 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 what you're saying behind those words is that biological motherhood is ordered to spiritual motherhood, right? If you, if you are a biological mom without actually also spiritually nurturing your daughters, um, which now is even harder to do in these difficult times, as you pointed out with, with the schools and whatnot, then we've missed actually what everything is ordered to, which is union with God. So it's not so much that, oh, I'm more than just a mom, but that being a biological mother has an implication towards spiritual motherhood. And that woman embracing her total vocation is going to be a spiritual mother, not just to the biological children that she may or may not have, but to all people that she encounters. And this is what John Paul II was really trying to emphasize in his documents on women, that women are vitally essential because we have this capacity to spiritually generate life into everyone that we encounter if we ourselves are in union with God. Yes. And I think that that's what Endow is trying to do and calling women together to study important church documents because the voice is mater et magistra, mother and teacher. She has a prophetic voice 
speaking dignity into every human being, but then also recognizing that women have a particular call to the prophetic ministry and to speak God's truth to everyone that they encounter. So my two favorite studies uh, of endowed, thanks for asking. No one's asking that. I don't win truth. No, no. There are so many beautiful ones. So I was keen to hear your top two. Yes. I mean, I feel like I should say letter to women in Malia Tatum, but what are they actually? <laughs> but, and they're amazing and they're foundational and every every woman and man should read them. Actually, I my friend Bill says Molia Tatum wasn't written for women to read. Molia Tatum was written for men to read. Men need to read this. Um, but my favorite are actually Edith Stein. Mm. And St. Teresa of Avila, who is the first female doctor of the church. Those are my two favorite studies. Mm. And I, I, I just love them. I mean, Edith, our study on, and all of our studies are, are different, but um, Edith, the Edith Stein study is very robust. It's very intellectual. It's very challenging in that way, which I don't want any woman to be afraid of. Um, you know, we can, we can, we can, we can read and study hard things. And when we do that together, then, then we have the benefit of, you know, the minds and the hearts of everybody who's in our group right now. I really am loving St. Teresa of Avila, which we're Mm -hmm. studying with during, during the endowed podcast lens study series. And what I love about this study is that it really makes St. Teresa of Avila's thought accessible so it's a great first step for someone who's never encountered St. Teresa of Avila. Sometimes when we jump into her interior castle or way of perfection, we're kind of like, what? This is really full on. <laughs> yeah, this is a bit much. I don't know how. To, so I love the Endow study because it really is a great introduction to it while still being very, very rich and robust. And mm. you know, the, the whole vocation of woman, the whole vocation of everyone is to be in union with God. And, and the church has declared that the doctor of the church, and there's not that many doctors of the church. So the doctor of the church is a, a teacher of the faith and that the church says, look, these, there are these 35 people. I think there's 35 or 36 stars. Of the I was going to say how many? There's only about, yeah, I think last time I checked, Pope Francis just added St. Irenaeus. So I think we're at 35 or 36, right? And, um, and the church is saying, take a look at these saints in particular, not because they were holier than other saints, but because their holiness was manifested through teaching something to us that's of universal value. And that's for every Christian to look at. Now of those uh, 30 some doctors of the church, one of them in particular is called the teacher of prayer. Mm -hmm. She is the master of prayer. She's the doctor of prayer. So we look at her in a different way to really help us understand what it means to have union with God. How do we enter into union with God through meditation, through contemplation in a, in a truly Christian way? So for me, I love, as you know, Karen, and we know we love, I love learning everything that the church has to teach me. And I just love learning in general, but I want to pay particular attention to learning on how to pray because my whole life is ordered to that. Absolutely. And and this will be one of the podcast episodes that we explore just for Lent, looking at prayer, fasting and almsgiving. But it'd be great to do a little bit around that now because sometimes we, we go through different seasons, don't we, in our yeah. faith journey through desolation, consolation. And when we can look ahead to people who have walked those paths, even the saints, realizing that St. Mother Teresa went through years of desolation in her prayer, but she still was obedient to her call and to, to pursuing prayer, pursuing Christ through, yep. through prayer. And I think those examples are so important for us because especially in the current 
climate that we find ourselves in, we can easily become disheartened. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it. I mean, it, prayer is about union with God. So whether you're in, you know, desolation or consolation, or you're, you're getting your spiritual candy, you know, you're getting all these, you know, rewards, um, (laughs) that, which I, you know, probably have too much of an attachment to, right. You're feeling the connection of God, you know, whatever the gifts or charismata we might receive in prayer, that's actually not why we pray. We pray to be in union with God. So when you talk about mother Teresa being obedient and faithful to her prayer life, I mean, that's the point, right? So there's no other reason to pray except that pray, praying is what leads us into union with God, whether we feel like we're in union with God or not, right? Absolutely. It's like marriage. We often say to people in relationship education that sometimes you don't feel loving feelings towards yourself. You'll have to choose to act in loving ways. And this whole idea of love, like you meant, you touched on this, that we are ordered towards love. That is our vocation, is to love as Christ loves, to love as God loves. And so we really need to be carving out that time and space. And Lent is such a beautiful season to do that, to be really intentional about our prayer and about our connection, our communion with God. And I... I love the saints and I love that you pick up on Edith Stein because she would be, if I had a patron saint of the Genius Project and Sisterhood, she would be it. She is an all-time favourite and St. Teresa Avila as well, like her beautiful teachings on prayer. And I think you're right. If you initially just read, you're like, whoa, this is a lot to take in. But what we forget is that God created us as a unity of body and soul and he's created us with an intellect and a rational mind. And so we learn and we understand his nature by through our intellect as well. And, and we can't underestimate the value of that. So learning can actually draw us closer to the Lord, learning about these people and, and the path, I guess, to prayer. Yeah. And I, I think for, first, I, I didn't know that about Edith Stein kind of being, being the genius um, projects, like unofficial kind of patron. <laughs> yeah. that, that's amazing. Makes sense now that you say it out loud, but mm-hmm. You know, Edith Stein, um, talk about an intellectual powerhouse. I mean, she she was not going to accept anything, being a Catholic, being a Carmelite, any of that, uh, if it didn't resonate with the truth of her, of her of her rational capacities and faculties. So the fact that her conversion, and we were talking about the saints and how important they are, especially during Lent, to get to know them, to be helped by them. Edith Stein's conversion came overnight reading St. Teresa of Avila's autobiography. So talk about a, a friendly, radical intercession, right? Yeah. I mean, this is Teresa of Avila in one night. I mean, Edith Stein closed that book and said, this is the truth. Yeah. And her whole life changed after that. That's the power of friendship. And that's what the saints are. They're our friends. And I think they're helping us more than even, even those of us who have strong devotions to the saints. I mean, whether we have devotions to them or not, they, I believe they're interceding for us all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think what we touched on this idea of formation at the beginning of the episode, but Edith Stein really developed that, didn't she? She really developed this theology about a vocation of womanhood and the call of womanhood. And everything that we read throughout the church through John Paul II's writings really came from the work of Edith Stein. He built upon her foundation, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm very much like I'm moved by Edith Stein's prophetic gifts and that her saying that 
her work was like largely unfinished. There was somebody who's going to come after her that was going to kind of take it up and bring it to completion. That's a paraphrase. I didn't know stuff. that. Okay, there you go. Yes. Yeah, she said that. And I mean, gosh, John Paul II being that person to kind of take up, you know, her, um, her work and also just how relevant her work is, not just in the fact that it came to a kind of a, a fruition in the theology of the body, but, but also with all of the struggles we have right now in, in our world with, with gender ideology and I, I, you know, identity politics and everything like that. I mean, Edith Stein was, you know, thinking about this in the 1930s, well before we could have even imagined the kind of battle we'd have to face today with a total rejection of our dignity in reject in rejecting our sexual difference. So, you know. Absolutely. And it's interesting. I noticed that in my children's schools this week, there's a fly buzzing around in here. Did you see that? <laughs> Just right in front of the camera. Oh, it's funny. Very real. Down to earth. But uh, I noticed it in my children's school. Just this... Um, to elevate women, they think that they need to play down and put down men. And I have a really big problem with that because we can't, women actually can't experience full, I guess, independence and all the things that they want without simultaneously affirming the value and the dignity of men. And I think this is something that it's really lacking. And I'm seeing it played out in the Catholic school system at the moment that we need to push women forward and, you know, they all salute and all against toxic masculinity. And I said to my daughter, I said, don't you dare do that because fair enough. There are men. I walk very, I walk very closely with a lot of women pastorally who have been in abusive or toxic relationships and they exist. But I think we do everybody a disservice, ourselves included, when we put down all men and we have this generalization. And John Paul II was beautiful in just affirming the rich dignity of one another and that we have this complementary dignity that if we partner with one another, we're we're designed to be in a relationship of complementary, not competition. So I think... You know, coming to a sense of our own unique value and worth as women allows us then to see the unique value and worth in our brothers in Christ as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a total expression for 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 women to be pro-woman in a I hate men kind of way just, just shows is a great manifestation of how much women have yet to embrace their dignity. Because for someone who has embraced their dignity, they in no way want to compromise or exploit the dignity of anybody else, whether male or female. And like it says, you know, like God said in the book of Genesis, it's not good that men should be alone. You know, what we're doing when we, when we put each other down is, is to create further speaking of epidemics and pandemics, further epidemic of loneliness. Men need women, women need men, we need each other, we need to collaborate uh, and find the fullness of who we are in that complementarity and that collaboration. So it's upsetting to me that Catholic schools are, and it's a total betrayal of the gospel, but they're complying with that kind of secular attitude because what it's doing is it's, it's only emphasizing a, a, an undignified disposition. Mm toward other people. 100%. John Paul too beautifully said that it's in relationship with one another that we actually discover our essence. We discover the essence of who we are as women and who we are or who men are as men. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. I had the privilege of speaking at a lot of, um, there's a movement called the Young Men of God Movement here in Australia. And I had the privilege of speaking at a lot of their conferences, giving them insights into the hearts of women. (laughs) And it was Fun. They, they thought they couldn't completely understand women, but actually it was really beautiful 
Last weekend at uh, Ash Wednesday, sorry, last week at Ash Wednesday Mass, a young man came up to me who's engaged and he just said, oh, all those years at the Young Men of God Conference and I'm finally able to put it all into practice. And I thought, oh, so nice. Incredible. Oh, that's so beautiful and so hopeful to hear. And if but we, that's a gift of formation, right? Like if we can form men and we can form women correctly, then we we empower them to have beautiful relationships, which is what they're designed and created for. Yes, we're desperate for formation. Uh, the number of, of women who, who reach me at Endow and just say, oh my gosh, where has this been all my life? I've been looking for this. Um, I need this. I need to be able to study the church's teachings in a way that is accessible to me in community. Um, it, you know, we're all hungry for it. We're hungry for God. We want God. We want to learn the truth. And the truth actually helps, you know, yes, the intellectual life, but the intellectual life in order to the prayer life, because good theology will ground you in a good prayer life. So you'll be able to sift through like, what's my voice? What's God's voice? What's the evil one's voice, right? Good, good study, good formation. Um, is a is a great filter to the contrary voices to to gods. Um, and I, I just wanted to say, you know, in terms of like, gosh, the the way to like promote women is to attack men and that whole thing is that if more women would support women by not letting other women be exploited, that would be a great way to fight toxic masculinity. Instead of going after that, why don't you help protect each other against all of these narratives in the culture that are against women? All the anti-life, yes. anti-woman, anti-dignity, you know, policies and, and messages that are being promoted out there. So, mm -hmm. and for men too, for men to help each other not be exploited by toxic femininity, which is out there too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, instead of attacking each other, why don't we just help each other? Yeah. And that yeah. will lift everybody up together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very, very good point. So, Simone, I'm wondering if you can help me just unpack a little bit more. I'd love to go a little bit deeper with St. Teresa of Avila and just, yeah. I guess, this theme of prayer, particularly this theme of prayer in Lent, because the Lent is this season of preparation, but it's really this call to go deeper, isn't it, in a, in a new way, like to experience Christ within us in a profound way, a way that we haven't before, and to come to this season with expectant hearts that the Lord will meet us in a new way. So to bring it to a more practical level, St. Teresa of Avila offers us so much. In terms of women listening, like what are some of the highlights that you might be able to, I guess, draw out, tease out a little bit for women, particularly with this focus on prayer? and how they can, I guess, enrich and grow in their prayer lives. Yeah, I mean, very practically speaking, um, to commit to it, to decide, to, to choose it, um, to, look at, to look at your life, look at your schedule, um, to be honest with, is there, is there peace in my life? Am I centered in God, regardless of how busy or not busy that I am? And to say, you know, is, is God, is prayer a priority? Um, for me, uh, very practically, this means that the first hour of my day is in prayer, right? That doesn't mean sometimes Catholics, because we have so many resources, we want to do it all, right? We want daily mass, daily prayer, daily rosary, all is spiritual, you know, all the apps. <laughs> all, all, yeah, all the apps, everything. But I think the important thing is to just be real, to look at your state in life and to say, how can I make prayer a priority? Maybe it's 20 minutes in the morning, or maybe it's half an hour, maybe it's a full hour, whatever it is for you. 
but to, but to then choose it and then to commit to it so that God then becomes the center of everything. And you, you begin that day in grounding. It doesn't have, you know, necessarily in the morning, but very practically speaking, I think this is half the battle is to say, I will choose it. I will commit to it and I will be faithful to it no matter what, mm. no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important one. I remember Father Ken is a priest here in Canberra and he founded the Missionary of God's Love. He's going to be also on the podcast towards the end of Lent talking about the mercy of God, which is going to be a beautiful episode. But he talks about prayer and he just says that it's like oxygen. Like we have to have it. We think it's an optional we think it's just something that we can fit into our life. But really, we need to make it a priority because everything flows from that place, from that relationship. So even though our circumstances might not change, we might still face the same challenges and difficulty, but we come at it and we carry a different posture because of yeah. prayer, because we've committed that time, I guess, to the Lord being in us. So then we can engage in the situations in our life and the challenges, but we're doing that engagement from a place of groundedness and Christ being in us. Yeah. And reality. And then the, that what you're talking about is, is reality that prayer is oxygen. Like I, I don't go to prayers if I'm doing God any favors, he doesn't need me to pray at all. He doesn't need me at all. Actually, it's changing your mindset that I actually need him. I'm a complete disaster and mess without him. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm distracted. I'm not grounded. I don't know what I'm supposed to focus on. What are my priorities? Who am I for real? To, to go to prayer is to say, all right, I'm going to consult with the one who loves and knows me better than I know myself. And I'm going to receive his love for half an hour every morning or whatever, you know, however long you're able to allot to it. And I'm going to, to sit there and to let him take control of my life. And, and who, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't need that? You know, who, 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 I, I mean, to, to be able to have your father, you know, to be able to sit with him and just, you know, say, oh my gosh, this is a disaster, or I don't know who I am, or I'm not even sure that you love me, or what am I going to do about my kid or, and then to leave the burden on him and to let him speak to you and to be able to create that space of listening. That's a total game changer. That's a total, total game changer. So I think if Teresa can offer us anything, <laughs> it's to just stay in the game and to, to commit to that. Yes. And to talk because I mean, you, you won't be able to keep up with the Lord once you let him in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you want to be able to keep up with him, right? Uh, because there's so much he wants to tell you. There's so much he wants to involve you in. There's so much collaboration he wants to, to do. You know, he wants to collaborate with you. And it's very, it's very exciting. It's very fun. Uh, but you have to be able to like, you know, build that relationship and you can't, if you go into prayer with the wrong mindset of like, I'm doing God a favor or like I need to do this or it's very moralistic or obligatory, you're completely missing the point. Everything about prayer, everything about our lives is totally gratuitous. It's totally, it's totally gift. Gift, absolutely. St. Therese of Lisieux, everything is grace, everything is gift. I think that, that one, um, I think I connected with her around the same time as you and I caught up a couple of years ago, but just that statement, everything is grace, everything is gift, that the Lord will use everything in our life. He will use it for our own growth. He'll use it to bring about his glory. But if we aren't engaging in prayer, if we aren't carving out that time, sometimes we can miss those graces, can't we? Like what yeah. prayer does is, as you said, it centers us with this focus, this holy focus throughout our day, that Christ is the center point and everything that happens 
you know, it orients us in our daily mm-hmm. life. But if we're not having that, then we can miss the opportunities. We can miss the graces that he gives us and the invitations through, you know, the mundane grind and the hustle. Um, they, they're there, but sometimes we're just not paying attention. Yeah, we'll, we'll totally miss it. And then we, we end the day kind of unsatisfied lost, um, not refreshed, because even during the hard days, even during the very high spiritual warfare, badly kind of days, um, to be grounded in his, like to have confidence, right? Confidence, confide with faith, to be, to know that he is present, even, even amidst the like kind of treacherous days, it makes all the difference, right? It's, we, life is hard enough with Jesus. I don't want to try it without him mm-hmm. um but the kind of language that you hear you know in around like oh i just i'm not doing enough for the lord or am i doing the right thing for the lord to me these are kind of signals of somebody who who hasn't really um committed to a deep prayer life or, or maybe they're just beginning it i don't want to sound too negative but just that mm-hmm. you know you will get to that point in your prayer life and this is so brilliant about saint Teresa with the interior castle and the mansions you will get to that point where you know you will be certain beyond a doubt uh, that he is with you and accompanying you. And that that's a great goal. That's a great, I mean, he's not going to not show up for you if you show up for him. Um, and the fact that she kind of lays out this path for us to help us understand what's happening in our prayer experience, to guide us, to look forward to what the next steps might be. Yes. No, that it's not, not aimless. It's not yeah. aimless. Can you just touch on that for women that haven't heard of her interior castle? Can you just elaborate a little bit on that for us? Yeah, it's a wonderful image. She calls the soul an interior castle, right? That there's this, you know, you think of like kind of marital and bridal imagery that there's this like, you know, if, if, if prayer is about union with God, if our life is about union with God and marriage is a sign and a sacrament of that, then God wants to marry us. And there's this interior castle that's our soul. That's like our private space with him. And it's very sacred and very rich. And, and, and there are many mansions in this interior castle as the scripture say, so I've prepared many rooms for you. And how we progress in that relationship. We know, I remember when I was, you know, um, maybe over 10 years ago, I was at a retreat and I was helping these girls on a retreat and the priest was a wonderful priest. And he was so real with the, with the young girls. He said, look, you know, you're probably at that place in your spiritual life as young teenage girls, where you come to Eucharistic adoration or you go to your prayer life. And you're basically, where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You're at the like, Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Here I am. You know, uh, you know, and and to be very real with that. So that's just the beginnings of that relationship, but the possibility to grow into this deep friendship, to this deep marriage. Um, Teresa kind of lays all that out, and she uses the image of the interior castle to kind of walk us through that. But you know, she'll say that you can't even enter this castle. You can't even begin this relationship in a true way, in a supernatural way, if you're still living a life of habitual mortal sin, right? You can't even, right? And we know that. We know that sanctifying grace, that grace that we receive in the sacrament of baptism and in all the sacraments is literally what it means to be in relationship with God, right? That he is infusing supernatural life into our souls. That is the beginning of this supernatural relationship. Mortal sin means we lose sanctifying grace in our soul. So we can't, yes, we're still in relationship with with him insofar as he's drawing us back to himself and to repentance and to confession, right? But in terms of being on a communal supernatural relationship with him, we need that sanctifying grace. So Teresa will say, look, before you can even enter the beginning stages of a real relationship with, you know, you can't 
you can't be cheating on him, so to speak. You can't yeah. be habitually cheating, right? You got you to get out of that. And then you're at the true beginning stages in the castle. And then the beginning of your relationship with him in the first, first two, two uh, mansions, uh, first, you know, one, two, three, is a lot of struggle fighting habitual mortal sin, getting uh, faithful to that prayer life. And this is, this is the kind of phase where God is really rewarding all of our efforts, right? We're so excited to be at those retreats. We're so excited to be at those Catholic conferences. We're so excited to, you know, receive that spiritual candy because he, he's trying to encourage us like, yes, you're on the right path. I want to reward you. I want you. Yeah. Keep going with that. As we get closer and closer and closer, as we progress through the mansions, like I have a great affection for the fourth mansion because the fourth mansion is really that transitional mansion from the human effort that is demanded in mansions one through three to the supernatural uh, where God's really the protagonist. You know, it's less about my human effort and more about the receptivity of letting him work and operate through me of the, you know, five, six, and seven. But the fourth is kind of like that transition point with like, okay, I don't need to try as hard. What I, what I need to try uh, hard to do is to try less and to let God take more and more and more of the initiative in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And we know, as we know in our marriages and we know in our friendships, the closer we get, the more, the more the relationship's going to demand and the more he's going to ask. Right. Uh, God was able to ask mother Teresa to do really radical, huge favors for him. Um, that cost her a lot, right. Cost her a lot of you know, as you mentioned, kind of the spiritual loneliness because she was so, so close to him, right? We shouldn't be afraid of that. We want to be really close to Jesus and we want to be able to get to that place where he's really able to collaborate with us on great supernatural levels, right? But so she takes us through all that. That's a, that's a lot in a little bit of time, Karen. So I'm no, no, it's perfect because part. interestingly, um, I don't know if you know Claire Dwyer. She wrote the I book. I do, I do. You know yeah. well. Yes, I love Claire. Yes. I, just, I really love Claire and her work. And, and she really loves Edith Stein. But her work on St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, she touches on these mansions and, and she takes people through that journey. And last year, a lot of us here in Australia did that book for our Lenten series. And it was so beautiful. I had so many women just said, I've never understood these mansions before. So your explanation was spot on. Perfect. Give, give people something to take away. Yeah, I love Claire. I love that book. And I, I think it's so fun. I was telling Claire, I think it's so incredible that most of us in now in this moment of, of our life in the church together are encountering St. Elizabeth the Trinity through her book. Yes. Right? They, they and I've heard of her before. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That God really used a woman named Claire Dwyer from Phoenix, Arizona, right, to, <laughs> to introduce us to her. Uh, what an incredible favor God asked and that she said yes and responded to. So she did so well. She spoke at our live virtual Catholic women's event in October last year and really deep dived into it. Honestly, the women loved, love, loved her. She's great. So yes. Yeah. Well, Simone, that is beautiful. I think um, one thing I'd love to do is just to direct women to Endow. Um, here in Australia, I know we imported a number of the studies a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, just to work through with our sisterhood groups here. So we're hoping to run a few of these studies online with women right. sort of later in the year after Lent and Easter have settled down. But in the meantime, if women wanted to check out the resources that you have on offer, where would they go? 
Yes. So please go to endow, E-N-D-O-W, endowgroups.org. And uh, Karen, you'll be happy to hear this. We're working on finally getting um, some eBooks for our international customers. Very it's finally happening. Yes, it's finally happening. We do, we, you know, if you're an international customer and you'd like a copy, please um, just email us at info at endowgroups.org and we can find a way to get that book to you or um, an electronic copy, but we are working on those digital eBooks, but you know, in the meantime, we can still offer them to you, but then, you know, getting connected with other women in your local area or virtual groups, we could definitely uh, walk you through the steps of what it would take to start an endow group. And, and for the women who are new to endow, um, the method is to read the chapter out loud in your small groups each week. So each study takes about, I mean, it varies from study to study, about eight to 12, what's an eight to 12 week event. Uh, you don't have to do homework. You can read it out loud in your small group. And then the discussion questions are kind of what facilitate that formation through encountering the, the text, but then also kind of hearing the wisdom and the words of your sisters in your endowed group. So it's an inspired method. It's, it's a great way to get an introduction to so many of these saints and writings in the church in a very accessible, uh, robust way. And yeah, check it out. E-N-D-O-W endowgroups.org. And you can also check out the Endow podcast. We're going through St. Teresa of Avila right oh, now. Nice. Studying series. So feel free to tune in if you listen to this episode and you want, you're intrigued by St. Teresa. Please, yeah, please, uh, please join us. And Karen, I'm so grateful uh, for all of your work and for the opportunity to uh, bring Endow um, to wherever it needs to be in the life of the church. Oh, thank you, Simone. We're looking forward to doing that. As I said, before COVID hit, this had been our plan and why we were in initial conversation is just to begin this, these studies here in Australia. And so they'll be kicking off if people are interested. If you're in, I know this podcast goes global, but if you're in Australia and you're looking for an Endow group or a group to run the Endow studies, we are organizing those groups through Genius Project. Yeah. And then in the US, I know that you organize those groups there. So yeah, yeah. and the, the, pod, the podcast is not the Endow group, right? It's just kind of, we're right. walking through, but the real experience is what, what you're going to be proposing. And, and that's what I love about what you do. It's that real in-depth formation and study and application and understanding. And that's what you do so brilliantly at Endows. Ladies, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Simone and it gave you some food for thought on how you can enrich and deepen in your spiritual growth, your formation and your prayer life during this Lent. I've booked Simone in to speak at our upcoming Catholic Women's Summit. So she's going to dive deeper into these wonderful, wonderful topics for us. If you'd like to find out more, please check out Endow. But if you are interested in Australia in being in one of these small group studies where we deep dive into some of the doctors of the church and the wisdom that they have for us in terms of our Catholic faith, then please send me an email at karen at geniusproject.co. Ladies, we also have a new intake starting for the Catholic Women's Masterclass. So if you would like to develop rhythms of renewal in your life that will see you living lives of balance and wholeness in Christ, then please send me an email at info at geniusproject.co to find out more about the Catholic Women's Masterclass. We'll be kicking this off in three weeks time. And so we do have a couple of spaces left in this group. The other thing I'd like to draw your attention to is our Lenten Retreat Series. It's not too late to join. You can actually join at any time and you won't have missed out. We are running some sisterhood online connect groups throughout Lent where we have a guest speaker in addition to the 
the podcast. And then this guest speaker will unpack these themes and give you an opportunity for small group discussion. We're also working through the book Restore by Sister Miriam Heitland. So beautiful resource. I do believe if you're in Australia, that book is now out of stock through Modern Grace. But if you are interested in getting a copy, you can still order it because it's a beautiful resource to have down the track and you can get a Kindle version. The other thing I'd like to draw your attention to is our Lenten retreat series, which kicked off this week. Now it is not too late to sign up and join. We are, in addition to this podcast, we are also running some online Zoom Sisterhood Connect groups in which we will have a guest speaker come and share with us once a fortnight throughout Lent. As well as this, we're working through Sister Miriam Heitland's book, Restore. Now, I do believe this is out of stock in Australia. You can get the Kindle version. And if you can't get a hold of that, then you can still turn up on the weekly Zooms because I will be sending out a free PDF journal each Sunday evening, which will have some of the high points and some reflection questions. So ladies, it is not too late to sign up and join our Lenten retreat series. You can do that through the link in our bio on our Instagram page, genius underscore project underscore daily, or through the show notes. So ladies, have a beautiful week. God bless you. And we'll see you back here on the Genius Podcast next week.